You're listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Praise God, it's so good to be together as a church family, ringing in the new year. And I have to say, uh, I'm just going to put it out here right, right off the bat, all right? Today's sermon is way different than a normal sermon would ever be, okay? Let me explain. We've had, uh, I don't know about you, actually, I know a lot of you. I, talk, I talked to a lot of you this morning, and a lot of us have gone through what my family went through. Um, and not, not everyone, I've actually talked to a few, you were like, hey, I had a great, great Christmas, no work, great time with my husband, great time with my wife, I feel refreshed. I'm like, yes, you're rejuvenated, go you. You are one of the few, and I'm, if that's you today, praise God, I'm glad to hear it. Um, for, for us, it's just been one thing after the next. You heard the news, Julie's pregnant. Um, yes, yes. But she's been sick, and when mom is sick for like, extended upon week upon week upon week, um, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on that mama usually does that she can't always do. So we've had that happening. Beckham had appendicitis. I was sick. We were on the road. We're traveling. Just one thing. I, I feel like I haven't had a normal week in like since Thanksgiving, seriously. So I am so ready this new year to get back to a routine and, and get back in the groove of doing what we love to do. And I know a lot of you are the same way. I've talked to a lot of you as you're like, oh, wow, like this is happening, this is happening. And we do need to pray for everyone who is watching us online. A lot of people are homesick right now, and um, we definitely have you in our hearts. We're sorry that you can't be here, so uh, Godspeed to all of you for sure. Um, but this is definitely one of those weeks. I know we're all, some of us are still recovering from the Christmas rush. Um, some of us have built so many Lego sets and, and rushed to so many sh- stores to find the same thing. Like, some of us, we're just, we're just here, okay? And I'm glad we are here. But this is where we're going with this. You see the series, right? Run the Heavens, the lifeblood of the church. This was supposed to be our intro to this new series. But we have the kids in here with us. Um, I've, I've had so many things going on in my life that I could not... I could not get what I wanted to say down for this opening intro to this series. This was supposed to be that intro where we start really going into why we do what we do, our DNA as a church. Um, the last time we did this series, we actually did a Run the Heavens series in January of 2019. And our church was like three months old. Yeah, three months old at the time. A lot has changed since then, obviously. So I can't wait to get into this series But today's message is really like a preamble. It's like a forward to the series, okay? We're going to actually talk about a new walk for a new year. Because I had a conversation in Ohio with my my brother-in-law, and he was talking through a lot of the things that God has taught him this year. And he said something to me at the very beginning of this week that I have not been able to get off my mind. And we were just talking through his experience, and he he mentioned how... There's two types of people. Either there's a type of person who focuses a lot on the past and like their thoughts, the way they mentally process things, always kind of goes back to the past. And there's some people 
who are always looking ahead and they're always like worried about something in the future. Uh, and it just, I was like, wow, that's, that's, I can kind of see that. And I, I got to thinking about it more and more and more. And this is a little confusing. I know I'm kind of all over the place this morning. But as I, I pieced all this together, I'm here. I wrote this sermon. We got back in town on Thursday night. I had this sermon written on Friday. It was going to be our opening series for In the Heavens. And I just was not feeling it at all. It was not communicating what I wanted to communicate. Lord had something else on my heart. So that's what I'm sharing with you today. So when I say this is a different sermon, it's a very different sermon because we're not actually starting with the scripture passage and preaching in an exegetical way, which is the way I believe I believe in that, all right? I do that. And those of you who have been in this church, you know that. That's the way we draw truth out of scripture. We explain it, we illustrate it, and then we apply it to our lives. Like that's the way you are fed with the word of God. That's the way you should read the Bible. But today is different in the sense that this is going to be a topical sermon because I really just felt led that that's what our church needed. I couldn't get it off my heart, so that's what I'm sharing with you today. So I haven't told you a passage to turn to in Scripture yet because we're going to be turning to a, lots, a lot of passages of Scripture, and that's going to come in the second half of the sermon. The way this one's going to be broken up is we have an anthropology section, a little like who we are, how we think section, and then we're going to go into the biblical section of what we see from God's word. That makes sense? Y'all with me on that? So uh, first of all, let's talk about the way we think, the way we process things. Um, how you view, view life is very important. And this goes without saying, we're going to get to this at the end. Um, I'm not really talking about a biblical worldview where you look at you look at everything through the lens of, I'm, I am created by God to bring glory to him. To glorify God is to show his glory, to show in his glory is everything that is true about God. So that's very important. And Jesus has to be the center of it all. You're going to hear that theme repeated throughout this. But I want to kind of go back to that conversation I had with my brother-in-law and kind of just start there, and then we're going to get into the good stuff. But that conversation where do you look at the past a lot? You kind of always drift to just the past, or do you always drift just looking ahead to the future? And then this is what I've been mulling over in my mind as I had you know, an eight-hour drive through the hills of West Virginia, and we went through two tolls that were, uh, that were only accepting cash and wouldn't accept credit card, but they could process a credit card fine that was twice the number amount of the toll. It's just stuff like that as you're on the road you know, and you're trying to steer back to like thinking about good things. Um, this is some of the stuff that I have been processing, all right? I don't know why I just threw that West Virginia <laughs> dunk in there. Sorry, Sherry. Um, you know, no. Uh, I'm sure there, there are great people in West Virginia. Um, I had never, actually, we had never been through West Virginia. We had a lot of fun with that as a family. But anyway, back to the message, a new walk for a new year. How do you process things and what dominates your thinking? I'm going to break those two big ideas up into four. Okay, we got, we got four different ways, and I want you to kind of personalize this. Think through where do you naturally fall? Like, what's your natural tendency to do? Here's the first one. Looking at the past with concern. So there's a lot of people, the way they're kind of working through things and mentally processing things psychologically is they always tend to go back to the past, and, they, and, they, and, they, and there's something that happened in the past that dominates their thinking in a negative way. 
So you're looking at the past with concern. This is a lot of times the person who has had a traumatic experience. Perhaps there's been an abusive situation. There's been maybe some intense psychological hardship from, from your youth. And this past experience still dominates your thoughts. And you, you can't go very long without it rearing its ugly head. So if you're always kind of bent towards looking back to the past with concern, this causes people to live in fear. They usually have a really hard time trusting others. They have a really hard time getting close to other people. You know, usually they're a really tough nut to crack because they put up these walls because they don't always trust people. This is one of the easiest ones to diagnose, but this psychological lens color, colors your glasses and it goes all the way back to something that happened usually in the past. So that's one way. Here's the second way. Looking at the past with romanticism. Everything kind of goes back to the glory days, right? This is the guy who peaked in 1992 at the state high school football championship game, right? Or, or the girl who remembers when she was young and thin and had a whole line of suitors knocking on her door. These are the people sometimes that think like 1950s America was like this close to heaven. Like that was so good back when America was like that back then. We don't really even remember all the negative things or the bad things. We've blocked that out, right? But you look at the past with romanticism, and there's a lot of people like this. Um, when, you, when you have this viewpoint where you're always going back to how great it used to be, a lot of times what, you end up, what ends up happening to you is you get bitter and defensive. You usually look down on others around you, and you find yourself on a soapbox repeating the same old stories of how it used to be different. I'm kind of rushing through these pretty quick. I've spent a lot of time thinking about these, clearly. But you see where I'm going with this? You know this type of person? Maybe that's, maybe that's a little bit you. Um, and honestly, this type of person is not a lot of fun to be around because usually they can't seem to talk about much else other than themselves. And they're so consumed with the way things ought to be that they aren't enjoying life in front of them and the impact that they could be having. Here's the third one, all right? The third psychological viewpoint is looking ahead with dread. Your natural bent is to always just think about what's coming next and how horrible it's going to be. All right? This person either watches the 24-hour news cycle all the time or they don't care at all and they're just living out in the woods alone probably, right? Like that, that, that's... That's this, I mean, it's the extreme. I'm, I, you know what I'm saying. I'm half joking here. But think through this with me. Um, they usually obsess over current events. They're usually quite well-read on their conspiracy theories. And uh, it doesn't have to be that either, but, but it could be. Um, their thoughts, their plans, their conversations all revolve around how bad the world is and how everything is falling apart. Other ways this manifests itself is... Maybe you're not a news person and you're totally against politics. So it kind of just turns into you're always worried about the next unknown. Whether that's, is this job going to ever come through? Is, is this life event ever going to happen? Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to have kids? Like, they're, they're always looking at the next thing with worry and fear and anxiety. And what happens here is this person 
lacks confidence. Um, maybe they've been let down so many times. You know, they've, they've failed so many times that they're worried about the future. But these people are driven by fear, and they stir up anxiety in everyone around them. <clears throat> Sadly, it goes without saying that these are some of the tightest, strong people. They're intense people, and usually they get cynical, and they often have a temper. Um, they don't have a lot of friends because they're always just one misunderstanding away from breaking it off. Okay? So that's, I don't know, that just got dark, but... But we're talking about people who let this kind of thinking dominate their thinking. Here's the last one. Maybe you could figure this one out. Oh, it's already up there. All right. <laughs> Looking ahead with blind optimism. You see where we're going with this? You have two different sides of just focusing on the past, and you have two different sides of looking ahead. This person is just usually that naive person who's in love, right? They're young and they're in love. and um, Or it's the carefree surfer dude who blocks out the real meaning of life, and they hold on to this half-truth. It's just blind optimism. For people like this, I would say they're vigorously optimistic. Um, they look a lot different, and they're, they're often a lot more successful than these other three people. Um, and I think the reason for that is this is pretty close to where you need to be. Optimism is, is good. We have a lot to look forward to. Spoiler alert, that we sung about a victory, right? There's a king. Um, but these people, you know, they can be really fun. They can be adventurous. They're usually more successful. They have a lot of friends. They influence people. Optimism is a good thing. But blind optimism is a very, very dangerous thing. Because inevitably, when it's all roses, all good, everything has to be good, we can't pretend to be sad, you know, kind of like that girl in the, the Inside Out movie. You should just remove all sadness. That's not the way it works. You know, that's, that's not life either, right? So what happens eventually when life does give you that sucker punch, this person is forcing themselves to be on the mountaintop, and then they are removed, and it gets really depressing really fast. They've pushed so hard to make everything work and everyone else happy and in the end, it didn't even matter, and it all came crashing down. And you have a huge problem on your hands. Then it's on to the next pursuit and the next high. And this endless cycle of climbing to the top and crashing hard goes on and on and on for the blind optimist person. So there you go. There's your four anthropology studies, all right? Um, does, that, does that ring any bells? Is, any, is this relating with anyone? I hope you can place yourself there. And when I say place yourself, I don't mean that you, need, you have to be one of these four people. I'm just saying there's probably one of these four that you are going to naturally have a bent towards, all right? And as a matter of fact, the more I thought about it this week, you probably have a primary way and a secondary way. There's probably two of these that you can kind of like have to work through just because you're human. Um, I'll say one last illustration about this before we transition this part, because this is kind of a fun illustration to explain it, all right? This happened last night, and I thought I would share. But uh, last night, we had a great meal. Julie made potato soup. It was fabulous. And uh, something that we do around the holidays at Christmas and New Year's is we make a family tradition. It's called green stuff. I think I've talked about it before. Probably have. It's just you take vanilla ice cream, you take 
lime sherbet, and you take ginger ale, and you blend it all together, and it's great. Refreshing is a great thing to have. So, so we do that, and we actually did a little bit of that with Julie's family in Michigan this year. But Julie and I were sitting at the table. We had just finished dessert. Uh, we'd already told Monroe, our little three-year-old girl, that she couldn't have dessert because she didn't eat the potato soup. Um, and we had the idea. Actually, both of us like, had this idea like at the same time. She was like, wait a minute. She's actually really been craving raspberries during her pregnancy. That's her pregnancy craving. Uh, but she's like, what if we just took the raspberry sherbet and combined it with our cranberry ginger ale that we have and made something different than green stuff? And I was like, I was thinking the exact same thing. Let's, let's do it. So we made pink stuff <laughs> instead of green stuff. And we didn't include our little girl who loves pink. Because, so it was a really good discipline situation for her. <laughs> but, uh, but it was fabulous. It was raspberry sherbet, vanilla ice cream, cranberry ginger ale. It was so good. You should try it when you go home today. Um, but here's the thing. This is a little silly. But I wanted to just kind of like, I know we, well, we got a lot of heavy stuff. I wanted to kind of lightly talk about, in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, the looking back with concern person. I mean, it's a little extreme. But they would worry that, oh, this, we, we can't try something new like this. It, it'll be bad. Like, this, this will be bad. So they would never even try something like that, right? The looking ahead with blind optimism person, they really are so focused on the next thing. Like, they're not even necessarily going to think about trying something new at all. It's just not even on the radar because they're already on to the next thing. The looking at the past with a romanticism person would never want to do that because that would offend the family tradition. Like, we, we, we can't do that old thing that our family it has to be green stuff. We can't, we can't change tradition. And then the looking ahead with dread person just would, would just worry that it's, it's not going to taste good and we, and we can't have this. We can't have this. So there you go. That was for your amusement. But looking, the looking back person, the looking forward person, both of these people struggle in different ways, okay? They tend, if you're the looking back person, often, this is something that the brother-in-law mentioned, which I think is very true the more I thought about it, they tend to make people the villains or the scapegoats. They like to put all the blame on someone else. You have to really watch out for that if you're the type of person who always kind of looks back. The person who looks forward naturally is the type of person who is really going to just blame themselves and get really down and depressed about how much they're a failure. Both of those things are completely wrong and unbiblical because they don't have Jesus and they don't have the Bible. So anthropology section is over. There we go. That was our super long uh, deep dive into the way we think. Now we're actually going to get some true answers, some real answers from the Word of God. Because all four of those things, they have kernels of truth. They're all, they all have some truth in them. They're all partly good, but they're imbalanced. They're missing Jesus Christ, which makes the balance come into place. All right? None of these are the way. There is a better way. And I told you this was going to be a unique sermon so here we are. How should you view your life? What is the balanced approach that Scripture lays out? So I'm going to give you a sentence, all right? 
This is, this is the really the big nutshell of it all. And then we're going to actually see, because this is something I came up with on Friday, so we're going to see if that actually matches Scripture for the second half of the sermon. But this is it. Live in the moment with grace and reflection on the past. And also, you need to have realism and optimism for the future. This is a new walk for a new year. This is a new year, 2022, all right? And, and I love that God gives us new seasons and a new year. We have a chance to turn a page. And a lot of us are thinking of a word for the year, or maybe a New Year's resolution. And like I said, we're going to get into the Ren the Heaven series, what's going to be based off Isaiah 64, where God, we cry out for God's manifest presence to show up, which, which he has faithfully done ever since we've started this church. But, but we're going to get into all of that, and as we step into that, here it is, the New Year's sermon, live in the moment with grace and reflection on the past, realism and optimism for the future. Without Jesus, you will never have this. You will have a semblance of this, you'll have half of this, you'll have a piece of this, but you won't have this without Jesus Christ. And that's because in our natural self, in the battle between the flesh and the spirit, you're going to be on your own without Jesus Christ. You're going to be processing everything in one of those last four ways. And they all have pitfalls. They all lead down the wrong road. This is a new way for a new walk. And don't you love that we've seen over and over again the last few months the, the emphasis on the walk? You know, we were in John 10, and, and Jesus is the door. And, and when that door is opened, it leads to pasture. We have freedom in this pasture to walk with God. It's not up to us to perform and to get things done and to fix all the problems. We're literally walking with Christ. It's a day-by-day thing, step-by-step. In most of life, like 98% of life is not those, those big memory moments, those big mountaintops. Most of life is doing the dishes and taking the kids to school and, you know, tying my shoes. Like you have all these mundane, nuanced things that just go on with our life. You have to enjoy every moment as you walk with Christ, talking with him. So this statement is going to be our outline today. Um, this, this sermon is really just completely reversed. You know, now, now we're going to actually see if it adds up to Scripture. So point number one, live in the moment through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd like you to turn to James chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. And this is where we're going to start bouncing around in different passages. So I hope you have your Bible ready. It's like sword drill time for those of you who who get that joke. Um, But James, let me get there myself. James chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 4 through 17. This is giving us some perspective. What does God's word say about this? Should we live life in the moment, one day at a time? Verse 14. Is that that right? James 4, 14, yes. I'll start in verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know 
what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. We have to realize that our life is brief, our life is momentary, and we can't just put all of our focus on this, this objective or this goal that's way out in the future. And when that and when that and just put everything on that and miss the moments that you have in front of you. Matthew 7 is another passage I want you to turn to. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. That one's a little easier to find because it's a lot bigger, bigger of a book. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So your life matters. But you will never be able to fix all the problems in this world. You are called to do your, your part by building your life upon the rock, Jesus Christ. You focus on your Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he has for you to do, you will realize that I can't waste time. I can't, I can't just throw away a day. Yeah, sure, you, you need time to rest and recuperate and recover. Absolutely, that's part of it. And you do that as you get closer to your Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus always talked about daily surrender. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus emphasized this throughout the Gospels. It's a daily thing, a daily walk. So there's your first piece. All these moments in life, don't miss out on the time that you can have growing in your love for God by spending time with him. It's not just about getting the dishes done and listening to that next podcast. Sometimes you just need to turn all that off and walk with your God. It's a very important thing to do as we, as we step into 2022. Now, it's like so many of these spiritual concepts that, that we see in scripture, they come in threes. You know, it's easy to balance two things, right? It's not as easy to balance three things. So we do need to live in the moment. What's in front of us? What does God have for us right now? Balancing, balancing two would be a lot easier, but there's three. So here's part two. Number two, implement grace and reflection on the past. Okay, as we are, as we are focused and excited and, and thankful and grateful with what God has for us right now, and where he has us right now, it's also very helpful to have your head cocked back a little bit and at times to reflect and remember where you came from. So let's talk about looking at the past. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yes. Okay. It can be, it can be both. It can be both. 
if one of them is done out of balance. So let's just see what Scripture says about this. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I want to show you an example here. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. We've preached this recently. I don't know how recent it was, but it's still, it's still fresh on my mind. Ephesians 2, verse 1. Watch how Paul talks to the church in Ephesus, these friends that he loves. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So Paul's pointing out, hey, look, that was you too. You can't forget who you used to be, where you came from. Verse 4, one of the best verses in the Bible. So, so you were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. You were lost. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love it. You, you got looking at the past, and you have looking forward in the same 10 verses right there. 1 Corinthians 6 is another passage, very similar, but I, I wanted to just, I felt led to share this one as well. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, just turn a couple books back. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul's pointing out that that used to be you too. And such were some of you. You have to implement this component into your life where you remember God's grace and his mercy in saving you. You have to be reflecting on the gospel. And you can't reflect on the gospel if you're always just like, look how great I am. Yes, I can do this now. They can't. I can. Ha. No, no. Implement grace and reflection. I put the grace part there because you're going to have a really hard time showing people grace when they screw up if you don't realize that you would have been the exact same way, and you probably were the exact same way before Jesus changed you. 
And maybe even after Jesus changed you, you still fall back into the old pattern, right? So let's show people some grace and not hang it over their head. You're going to have a very hard time. You're going to be prideful if you don't implement this part. Titus 3 is another passage. Just for good measure, let's really triple emphasize this one. Titus 3, 1 through 7. So going back to Timothy, the book that I can't seem to find today. It's right after that. 2 Timothy, Titus. Titus 3, 1 through 7. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. This is such an important piece to implement grace and reflection on the past. What has God done for you? If you don't learn from the past, you are doomed to repeat it. But we can't dwell on the past either, right? It's not all that. It's not, oh, I was such a horrible person. I was such a horrible person. No, God's changed you, and you're new now. You're a new creation if you're in Christ. So it's so vital that we do this last one. We will never be able to do this last one successfully, really, without number two. But going on to number three, exercise realism and optimism for the future. There's a balance with this one, too. But you have to exercise realism and hope in Jesus Christ. So, you know, the realism, you know, you can, you can really spot the looking ahead with dread person on this one, right? You know, there's a hundred verses about this, about how dark the world is and how fallen this side of eternity really is. But 2 Timothy 3, 2 is a good one, and it's close to Titus. So let's just go to that one. 2 Timothy 3, verses 2 through 5. For people will be lovers of self. Actually, let me, I don't know why I had verse 2. Let's go back to verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households. Stop right there. It's a pretty, pretty sad, dark, depressing few verses, right, about the last days. Are you starting to see that? When you see something in the world go terribly wrong, when you see a really bad thing developing as a Christian, you should not be surprised by that, okay? That shouldn't be taking you off guard. And, you're, and you're, in your natural 
instinct and reaction shouldn't be to like wall up and let's get defensive and let's hold the line and protect this. Like, no, the world is going to be the world. Satan is the prince in the power of this air. He controls them. This is his domain. Things are going to go wrong. There are, there are wicked people on this world, in this world. We have to expect that and know that. So be real about life as it stands. Jesus is the answer. He's the only one who's going to solve those problems because they're only solved by the heart. No, it doesn't matter how many good things you do and nice things you say, the only thing that will change that dark, desperate person who's dying and going to hell, completely a new person. So there's your answer. We don't need to fear. Just point them to Jesus Christ. Love them. Show them the love of Christ. Be real with where we're at. And at the same time, look to our hope in Jesus Christ. There's optimism in that. Like, that's how we can have victory in this world. Matthew 10 is another verse on this. I, I mean, we could, go, we could stay here all day, but Jesus said, they will hate you because they hated me first. All right? The world will always be nasty. We have to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We have to know what the heck is going on down here, but we have to keep our focus on our life's purpose and our emphasis on him who is above it all. Because Roman eight, Romans 8, passage we already talked about today, God works all things together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. We sung about this in every one of our songs. We were singing about the victory that we have in our Savior Jesus Christ, the power that he gives us with his Holy Spirit, the the, the, all the problems that we're facing right now, he is actually over all of them, orchestrating the stuff that we can't understand, that we can't foresee. And, and if you love God, he is actually using that to get you closer to him, to prepare you for eternity. Now, you have a choice in the negative and in, in the nastiness of this world to either get angry and, and blame God, blame other people, Take it upon yourself, and you can drift further away from God, or you can lean in closer to God. I don't understand what's going on right now, but Jesus, I know what you did for me in the past. I remember who I used to be. Thank you for saving me. I just have to, get, I just have to lean on you right now. Exercise realism with optimism and hope for the future. Revelation 21, here's the last passage I want you to turn to. Well, maybe. We'll see how it goes. But Revelation 21, let's talk about that victory for a minute. This is one of, another one of my very favorite passages of Scripture. This is one that I hope you've already read this new year. And if not, this is a good one just to go back to over and over again. Revelation 21, here's the ending. We get, we get to cheat. We know what the last chapter says. We know how, we know how this story ends, okay? Okay. Revelation 21, 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Can I get an amen for that? Praise God. He created mankind in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned against God. They fell into sin. The curse of sin has permeated and created chaos from that day forward. But that is not going to ruin God's plan. Because he sent Jesus into this world, the babe in a manger, he lived a sinless life all toward the cross, shed his blood for the remission of our sins. If we by faith look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am sorry for doing my own thing, turning my back on you, I know what you did for me. Forgive me for I'm a sinner and I want, I want you. That's repentance and faith and you're a child of God and now one day you will live with God. And God isn't just gonna create a new heaven. He's gonna create a new heaven and a new earth. We love this earth, right? I, I love streams and mountains and hills and the ocean and people. I, we, we're, we're created with the DNA that loves creation. God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to bring new Jerusalem down. This, this current world, I, I firmly believe in preserving it and being good to our environment. Absolutely, we're stewards of that, of course. But to tell you the truth, at the end of the day, this world is going to burn like fire. And it's going to be replaced with a new earth. So don't make the earth creation your God. That's one of the gifts of God. And he's going to give us a better one one day. Exercise realism and optimism for the future. Worship team, you can come up here. So there's your new walk for a new year. Before we even get into what it is about being a member of a church, I want you to see the way you think and process life matters. I love that God created new morning mercies every day. The sun sets, the sun rises. We have a fresh start. 2022 is a new year. And I, and I know 2021, for a lot of you, has been amazing. We have had an incredible year. God has repeatedly just intervened. He's, he's broken down strongholds. God has been so good to so many of us in this room. And at the same time, let's be real. 2021 has also been a hard year, right? Well, guess what? 2022 is coming. It's going to be great. There's going to be a lot of amazing things happen in 2022, and there's going to be a lot of really, really hard things happen in 2022. It's not going to be all sunshine. There's going to be rain, too, because that's the way it is in this present life. But we know who God is. We know what he has promised us. 
And, and, and we need to fully embrace the rhythm that God has created. So as you just apply this, as you think through this, maybe you identified where you were at, like your natural tendency on what you focus on, whether it's the past, whether it's the future, whether it's with blind optimism, whether it's just dread. I love all of you. <laughs> we, we, we're all created differently, and we're all unique. I love it all. But something that I was also processing this, this week was when you have, like, you know, that, that season in between Christmas and New Year's where you're like, what day is it? Like, I, I don't even know where I'm at, what's going on. I hope you were able, and if you haven't done this yet, it's okay. <laughs> There's grace. You can still do this, all right? Just because it's January 2nd doesn't mean you still can't get this done, all right? But, but take some time and do three things if you haven't already done this. Organize your life a little bit, all right? I, I was organizing all kinds of things when we came back from, from Michigan. I just, I was organizing notes. I was organizing things for the church. I was organizing my hobbies. Like, I was just getting the house organized is a good thing to do, all right? Reflect. Think back. What, what was I like a year ago today? What has changed in my life? Have I gotten closer to God or am I further away from God? And, and why? Reflect. And then set goals. I'm not saying you have to be a slave to the, to the New Year's resolution. You can if you want to. Go for it, if that's your cup of tea. But set some goals. What do you need to do better next year? And then what did we talk about? With all of those things, organizing, reflecting, setting goals. Guess what? They'll be the exact same as they were in 2021, the exact failure that they were in 2020. They will not get you where you want to be in 2022 if you don't put Jesus at the center of it. Think about who he is and how much he loves you. That's the way we ended the year, right? We have to be driven by love. It can't be a performance that we achieve. We have to focus and meditate and be consumed with the fact that God chose you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. You're not going to fail. You're his child. You have an inheritance already waiting for you in heaven, the new earth. So reflect, organize, set some goals. And you can really see all those things even in the different types of people. The person who only reflects, if that's all you're doing, you know, you still have your pajamas on and, and uh, up until the very last second, your Christmas decorations are still up right now and you've, you're just always procrastinating. And then when you have to get it done, you just throw everything together and you're not able to like, achieve what you need to achieve, right? You have to do, you have to do more than reflect. If it's all about getting organized and you're just, you got the calendar down, everything's all set in place in stone and it has to go this way, you're not going to have time for people and the curveballs that life throws at you, right? Set goals, but don't set goals in your own strength. The only way you will accomplish those is through the power of the Holy Spirit and thinking through how has Jesus changed me and how 
will he enable me to do this? Because if you just set a goal like, I want to be more organized, I want to get this done, okay, maybe you'll do that, maybe you won't. And then you'll have another one. Go to the root of it all, the heart of it all. Is Jesus Christ at the center of it all? Stand with me. We're going to sing Driven by Love in a minute. But I want to read one more passage about what Jesus Christ said for a new walk, for a new year. This is Matthew 6, 24 through 35. Maybe this is what you need for the new year. The words of Jesus are so timely. They're so perfect for what we need. But Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Don't live for this life, all the riches of this world. It'll rust. It'll corrupt. Entropy happens, right? That really nice Christmas present that you got three years ago is probably in the garage, which is just another way to say garbage, and and it'll turn to trash one day, right? Live for Jesus Christ. Lean into him. Be driven by his love. I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about all of the things that he's going to do in and through our church as we are driven by love. Um, maybe the word that you need going into this year is balance. I don't know, but that's, that's kind of like the, the underlying theme here behind everything we saw from God's word. God is good, and, and hopefully that was helpful. And I know it was helpful for me. So we have a new verse to say this year. We do this, for those of you who are new, we pick a verse. It's our theme verse for the year that we say out loud together, and we just close the service with this. And I went back and forth. Beckham actually even helped me pick this one out this year. But Romans 12, so say it with me if you can read it. Romans 12, 9 through 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. You are loved.